15? 20? Blimey neck, you're enthusiastic. So we have been doing the I Am Sayings of Jesus, if you haven't been with us these last weeks. And uh, we have reached I Am, the light of the world. So confession time. How many of you, when you were younger or now, were scared of the dark? Hands up. Anyone scared of the dark? Okay, anyone still scared of the dark? Excellent. You can come and stay at my house anytime you want. <laughs> you know, when I was small, I, um, I had one of those beds that looks exactly like one that you would draw. So it was made out of wood. It had two ends and a, and a plank, literally, across the middle. And underneath it, it had a cavern. A huge cavern was under my bed, and I was scared of the dark. And you know where all the monsters live? The monsters live under the bed. And the really, really important thing that you need to learn here is that when you need to get into bed, you need to take a big run from the door. And if you run fast enough and then you leap, you land in the bed over the monsters and the monsters cannot get you. <laughs> the next really important thing is to make sure that every single part of your body is in the bed. So get your duvet or your blankets and wrap them around you really tight. Make sure that no extremity is over the edge of the bed because if it is, the monsters can come and grab you and take you under the bed. The other really important thing is your wardrobe. Because as much as monsters can live under the bed, they also can live in the wardrobe. And the key thing here is to make sure that the wardrobe is completely closed. Because if you leave just the smallest chink, they can get out. But if you make sure that all the doors are closed, they will stay in there. I don't really like the dark very much. <laughs> you work that out. I grew up in one of those houses that had a 1970s extension where there was a little window above the door. <sighs> so it meant that if my mum and dad left the light on on the landing, there was light in my room. It was really good. You know, I mean, now you can get all those snazzy night lights that look like a butterfly or a star or something, but we didn't have those. We just had light above the door, and it was really good. You know what? Beyond that, should have been that one, we sense, don't we, that our world is getting darker and darker on a global scale, and actually some of us are scared of that dark scared of the ever-intensifying darkness. You know, if we look back in history, we know that it, it was dark in many periods of history. In fact, there's a whole era called the Dark Ages, and they didn't even have electric light, so it was like properly dark. But we have a sense of knowing everything now. We know it all on our news. I was driving to Halifax the other morning, and it was reported that there were more crimes recorded in the UK this year than at any other point since records began, and it like your heart sinks, doesn't it? And every evening on your news, there's knife crimes in various places, some anticipated and some totally unexpected, and you feel that it's getting darker. And we watch stories of children being torn from their parents and kept in what's hardly better than concentration camps, and we know about it. And we see people fleeing from war and violence, and dying a distance from the beaches where we take our holidays. And it feels like the world is getting ever 
darker. And it really feels that it really needs someone to turn the light on, doesn't it? To turn the light on, to make a difference, to transform things. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. So will you bear with me if I give you just a little bit of context for that? Because it makes better sense of it. Some of us think that festivals are a new thing. Festivals really are not a new thing. Festivals were occurring all through the Old Testament. That was a really long time ago. All through the New Testament and carrying on and on and on. And then there was Glastonbury. But there was a lot of festivals. Festivals were like a big deal. And Jesus was at this festival called the Festival of Tabernacles. It was the last of seven annual feasts for Israel and one of three that all Jews had to attend. It was celebrated over seven days. It helped the Jewish people to remember their time wandering through the wilderness and the provision of God. So everyone camped out. I mean, it's like nice in Israel, isn't it? So it's kind of okay. Everyone camped out. Everyone made a shelter out of leaves and palm branches and twigs, and they camped out. If you look for modern-day images, it's like you can go to Ikea and buy a tabernacle. They all look exactly the same. I think they just kind of pull a cord and they all set up, but it wasn't like that in Jesus' time. They built their shelter to remember those times in the wilderness. And then on the opening night of the celebration. I'm doing rubbish at this today. On the opening night of the celebration, they would light in the court of the women in the temple a couple of giant menorah. So who can tell me what a menorah is? Candlestick. How many? Seven. See, some of you might have them at Christmas because that's near to Hanukkah where they light things. On your window ledge, we're not talking something like that. We're not actually even talking something like this those menorahs they lit were 75 feet high. Can you imagine that? I mean, it's huge. 75 feet high. And on the top, each one had a bowl. And in the bowl was 10 gallons of oil. 10 gallons of oil. So it's like 70 gallons in each one. And the wicks were made from the old, no longer usable garments of the priests. I mean, that's like quite some kind of wick, isn't it? So on that first night with great pomp and ceremony, they lit these huge menorahs. And people said that you could see them for the whole streets of Jerusalem. It lit up the whole of the streets. It reminds me of like the Olympic torch, particularly like the one in Athens, which was on the hill. And when you saw it on the telly, you could see it from all around. That's what the menorah was like. This feast lasted for seven days. And at the end of the feast... I'm not quite sure how they managed to do this. So I don't think they had fire extinguishers then. They would intentionally put the menorah out. So it was lit on day one, and then on the seventh day, it was put out. Now, it says in John chapter 7 that Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles, for this feast that we've just been talking about together. It says that he spoke halfway through the feast, and then there's this verse in John chapter 8. And I'm just going to read one verse to you. And it's verse 12. And it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, will have the light of life. So the light of the menorah is put out. 
Immediately, Jesus stands up and he says, in the darkness, I am the light of the world. And the Pharisees around went, whoa, you're not allowed to say that. That's claiming to be God. That's claiming to be something that you can't possibly be. And they have a bit of an argument for quite a while. But Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Our world is a very dark place, and we really, really need someone to be the light of the world. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You know, the Jews that were around at that time, they were thinking about how God had taken them through the wilderness, and he guided them with a pillar of fire, and his presence was always with them. And whenever the pillar of fire moved on, they pitched their tents, and they moved on too. And when the Egyptian army were coming behind them, the pillar of fire protected them from the Egyptian army. So when they heard Jesus say, I'm the light of the world, this is the kind of light they were thinking about. This amazing, powerful presence of God with them that guided them and protected them and was with them. And Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. So I just want to ask you three brief questions this morning, because really why we're here is we want to see these guys baptized, isn't it? My first question is this. Do we choose the light or do we choose the shadows? See, in chapter 3, and I'm not going to read all of it to you, but in verse 19 it says this, this is the verdict, light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. If you go to clean out some ancient cupboard or a cellar or an attic and you put a light on, oh, there's this little scuttling, isn't there? All the insects go into their dark corners because they hate light and they want to be in the dark place. And actually, sometimes when we know that stuff is a bit of a mess in our lives, and all of us have that experience, we don't want to be in the light. We want to stay in the dark place. We want to stay in the shadows. We want to be somewhere where no one can see what we're really like. But Jesus is the light of the world who loves us, who helps us to change, who transforms us, who shows us stuff so that things can be different not so that he can say to us, oh, you're a bit of a rubbish person. Well, we kind of know that already, don't we? Or, you know, well, you're a hopeless case. You're never going to improve. He shows us things so that we can change, so that his light can come in our lives and lighten us up and transform us and make us different, enable our lives to be different. Do we prefer the shadows? Or are we brave enough, confident enough, courageous enough to step into the light and allow Jesus to change us. Here's my second question. Do we rely on our own light or live in his light? I couldn't find exactly the picture that was in my head here, but imagine that you were walking in a dark place and you had like either just like one match, so it kind of flickered, but you knew that it wasn't going to last, or like the smallest, smallest tea light, a little bit like this, which was just, just about adequate but it wasn't great. And you were like stumbling along. We went for a walk yesterday evening, and by the time we were walking back, it was getting quite dark. And you could just about see, and, and you know, you stumble over a tree root or two, and you walk into a wall and you miss the path, because, but you can just about see. 
But all the while, there's someone standing there going, um, hello, I've got a huge searchlight. I can make it look brighter than the day. And we're like, no, it's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine with my little flickering tea light here. Thank you very much. I'm fine. And that's what we do so often, isn't it? We stumble our way through life with our little flickering tea light just about okay, sometimes not okay, sometimes stumbling and falling flat on our faces, sometimes choosing the wrong direction. And Jesus is saying, hello, <laughs> I'm here, I'm the light of the world, I've got this huge searchlight that can lighten up your life like day from night. Which one are we going to choose? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I was writing this yesterday morning, which is really unusual for me, but I had a horrible migraine and so on. And as I came down to get on with writing this, I turned the radio on, and this song came on the radio. And then I turned the radio on this morning, and the same song came on the radio, so maybe it's a CD on repeat, I don't know. And it really spoke to me. And it's a song by Tom Walker. Some of the young people might actually have woken up at this point. You never know. And it says, leave the light on. And he's written it for a friend who's struggling with drug abuse and addiction, having lost a number of other friends down that path of life. And he says, if you look into the distance, there's a house upon the hill Guiding like a lighthouse, it's a place where you'll be safe to feel our grace. Because we've all made mistakes. If you've lost your way, I will leave the light on. I just thought it's brilliant. Brilliant. You know, there's a house on the hill. It's a place that you can see, a place you can go. It's going to guide you to a place of grace. Because we've all made mistakes, haven't we? place of safety. It's a light to lead you home. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And Jesus always leaves the light on. He always leaves the light on. There's always a place. Doesn't matter how dark it is. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. He always leaves the light on. He's saying, come home. Come home, come to a place of safety, come to a place of grace and mercy where you can just come exactly as you are. Isn't that your story, guys? Come exactly as you are. And you meet him, Jesus. His light is on. He says, come home, come home. Let's have a cup of tea. Let's talk. Let's talk about what's going on in your life. Here's mercy, here's grace, here's love, here's another chance and another chance and another chance. The light is on. Jesus, the light of the world, welcoming you, guiding you, grace to you. Come home. Jesus says, come home. I think we're going to sing again. I think, Matt, you're leading. And I'm going to go and change. And then it's the fun bit. <laughs>